Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and this week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, look ahead to a massive weekend for AEW as All Out comes to Chicago for the in-ring return of CM Punk. We ask whether it's even possible to turn Becky Lynch heel, given what she's done in the past. We look at the Lesnar-Reigns feud and admit to a new guilty pleasure on SmackDown. We look at the new NXT logo, and I'll give you a spoiler, we're not fans and there's some brilliant fantasy booking from yourselves as we put together our dream Wrestlemania cards. Something is going back to developmental and something is earning the push. So let's get on with the show. I think we spoke about it last week, didn't we? Of They're going to try and turn Becky heel and the fans aren't going to want to see her heel. And she did the classic quote of Conor McGregor, I'd like to take this chance to apologise to absolutely nobody. And everyone kind of just cheered, didn't they? So they are really going to struggle to turn her heel, especially when... What they're asking her to do and what they're asking her to be is exactly what turned her face in the first place. Being the man, like, this is the exact same character that everyone loved. So I don't really understand how they're asking the fans to boo that. It's an interesting one, but the ratings were huge, weren't they? I think it was 2.27 million or something they had viewers. So that people want to see her. She, she got, she's a big draw. SmackDown is getting a lot of viewership at the moment, which is only a good thing for WWE. But, yo, know, it was a good follow-up to SummerSlam, I thought. I want to talk, and I can't believe I'm saying this, about Happy Corbin in a moment or two, because I think I have a new guilty wrestling pleasure. But you're right about Becky Lynch. We came off air last week on the show saying, is she going heel? And, and we ummed and ahed about it. I don't see how you turn her. This has got Austin after WrestleMania 17 vibes for me written all over it because her character is a baby face is the only way she, unless she does a Bailey and goes a complete 180 and changes everything she is, you're not going to turn her. No, you're not. And I think the problem is as well, there isn't a big enough baby face on the women's roster that she could attack and run down that everyone would hate her. There isn't that archetypal baby face that everyone's getting behind, like a ba- like Bailey when she first came onto the main roster, where if anyone had attacked her, they would turn heel. Becky could come out and tell people their children are a disgrace and they still cheer her at this point. <laughs> like, if she could tell me that Liverpool Football Club are the worst football club in the history of the world, I'd be like, yeah, you're the man, you're the man, Becky, yeah. She's too over for them to try and turn her heel. So I don't know why they're trying to, really. Um, just let her be the man, because that's what everyone loves. And Maybe they thought that might have run its course by the time she came back, but I think in one week we're very quickly learning that it absolutely has not run its course. People want to see more of it. So just give people what they want to see here, WWE. It's, it's a no-brainer, really. She wasn't stale when she left. She was, she was still red-hot over and she left because she was pregnant so why bring her back and i can understand why they've brought her back on smackdown but does this fit into a problem we've spoken about before which is wwe not being able to build baby faces and i'll just bring in before i get your thoughts on that uh, something we've had into the inbox that is earning the push uh, podcast at hotmail.com from andrew who says jack listening to last week's show with you and charlie i don't disagree with you that much but i will this time because i really do think wwe has no idea of how to book baby faces anymore brian and becky were both accidental baby faces with brian supposed to be moved down to the mid card if it was wasn't for the sheer force of the fan reaction against their booking 
and Punk walking out, and Becky was a product of a heel turn the fans rejected and a botched punch that broke her nose. Guys like Rusev, if anything, got punished for becoming stupidly popular, and they waste people like Ricochet on main event. I think the last genuine main roster top babyface creation was probably Jeff Hardy or John Cena, unless I'm forgetting someone. NXT, on the other hand, has that organic build with Zayn, Bailey, Balor, Nakamura, Gargano, and the list goes on. It's hard to disagree with that, and it probably factors into why Becky's going to struggle going heel. Yeah, I think I've just got a really good point. I can't remember the last organic main roster babyface development that seems like it was the plan. And then you look at how those NXT babyfaces then transition onto the main roster. Like Sami Zayn, the most natural babyface in the world, and it never really worked for him on the main roster, did it as a babyface? They didn't get behind him. So it could be a real point, and it's an issue because you can build the best heels you want in the world. And we're seeing this with Roman Reigns. He's one of the best heels they've had for, for decades. They've got no one to put him against new. They're having to bring back legends that we want to see him against. We want to see him facing Cena. We want to see against Brock. If they do the rock, of course we want to see that. But at some point, someone's got to topple him. Someone has got to finish his reign. And right now, I don't know who it would be. So I was thinking about that point that Andrew made. And is it Drew? Is Drew McIntyre the last legit babyface WWE made? Or did he get over because he was such a good heel? I mean, I can't think of the last time someone has been introduced and they say, there they are, they're your babyface. Even if you say Drew is, what's he doing now? Like, there's your, they don't know what to do. They, they get him to the top, he won the title, he lost the title, and they don't know what to do with him. Like, he's now, I think he, he was in a triple threat for the US title, wasn't he, last night? Which, if they put him against Sheamus in a feud, go with it, because I, I think that's... That was brilliant when they did it earlier this year. Do it again. But yeah, they, they seem to not know what to do with people when they take the title off them now as well. There's no, I think a huge problem is there's no mid-card in WWE. The mid-card is just lost. There's your top stars and then there's the rest. There is no layering of the card really, I don't think anymore. Like you look back, I always refer to that when I really started getting into it in the mid-2000s and you had like with the SmackDown 6 and even the Raw rush at that point, it was absolutely unbelievable and you had your mate you had your title feud then your mid card had two three four feuds every week that you could go to and you know what they were such big stars if anyone did step up to the main event it didn't feel unnatural and anyone stepped down to the mid card there's so many other massive stars in the mid card didn't feel like a step down whereas now it feels like if you're not in that main title feud you could be anywhere on the card it doesn't really matter like apart from becky and roman name me one and Happy Corbin that you're going to talk about. Maybe one proper feud on SmackDown. Though. Like we, I, I praise SmackDown all the time, but actually, am I praising SmackDown's main event when the rest of it is not very good? Is that, is that what's happening, really? It's a fair point, because I guess we may be going towards a Ray versus Dominic Mysterio feud, which I think could be intriguing. Uh, I, I tell you what I do think, and we don't often give credit to Monday Night Raw. We record this on the Tuesday morning, so it's fresh in our mind. They do seem to be doing some fresher things on Monday Night Raw with the elevation of Damian Priest and mixing things up, getting RK Bro in with Lashley and MVP. And they did on SmackDown surprise me in a couple of ways. They had Seth Rollins cut a promo where he's grateful to Edge for the loss at SummerSlam and it's spurring him on. And I didn't really think we'd be going in that direction. And Happy Corbin. What? Okay, am I alone in thinking that was quite a lot of fun? I enjoyed seeing that. The work that man has done in this last few weeks of being 
down depressed Corbyn. If you watch, especially the stuff he puts on his social media that goes on WWE.com, it's not always the stuff that's been going on SmackDown. has been really, really brilliant stuff and intriguing. And you kind of only can root for him a little bit because we've all been down a lot. We've all had rough patches in our life. So it's really relatable. I think it's hilarious that he's just trying to buy the Money in the Bank contract. Like also, $100,000. I'm sorry, if you win the WWE title, I think you earn $100,000 like that, don't you? Like <laughs> It's not... Just on the financial side of things, it's not worth it, Corbin. But no, I enjoyed I'm, I'm really... This, this is the problem with being a quote-unquote smart, smart rest kind of smart, isn't it? Like, I struggle sometimes to just enjoy things for what they are because I'm always thinking, like, what's the end game with this? And I think sometimes I've got to take myself out of that and go, you know what, that segment was fun. I just enjoy it for it. It's, why am I thinking, where's Corbin going to be in six weeks? Why do I care? Just enjoy that for what it was. And actually, as a segment, on a Friday night watching wrestling, it was, it was good fun. Yeah, it was really, really enjoyable. It looks like we'll be getting Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor in some form or other in the uh, coming weeks as well, as Finn uh, is floating around the top of the title feud uh, on SmackDown. NXT has a new logo. And I don't mm. like it. I really don't like it. So I saw someone, I meant to send you, I forgot. A graphic designer had analysed it, and he was like, I like the colours, like, but that's a personal opinion. Like, but just look at it, and apparently so I don't do graphic design. But it's not centered anywhere, the logo. Like it's like it's not hard with a three-letter logo to work out where your center is. It's the middle of the middle letter. It's even easier when the middle letter is an X. <laughs> it like, literally marks a spot. It yes. literally does. He was like, neither vertically or horizontally is the middle of this X, the middle of this logo. So if any of you are struggling to center it and look at it properly, it's like this is why. It's like 101 of graphic design, and they've got it wrong. Well, hold on, because we are not graphic designers. And I, I think even... But this man on Russell, Twitter might have been. He might have been. Well, he might have been. But even for us, that is a new level of microanalysis to criticise WWE because there's not a centre of the logo. What, what it does show, though, is uh, this much-mooted rebrand is happening. It, it is coming. That's the first on-air Yep, the NXT that you know and love, we're changing it up, and point one is the logo. And I've seen a few people on social media just saying, why? Why take the thing that we all love, that your hardcore fans don't think there's anything wrong with, and change it up? But I guess we're just going to have to get used to it, because we saw on SmackDown and on Raw that tease, changes are coming. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we had the conversation of, if Vince uses NXT as a quote-unquote academy for his main roster in sporting terms... And he's the head coach and he decides what players are going to play in the team. It hasn't done its job because he has decided that the, the superstars that come through NXT aren't good enough for his main roster. Now, we can argue till the cows come home that's not true, but that is his decision. He is, he is the boss. What I don't understand is like, what are they going to make it? Because gone are the days of FCW style of NXT where it was just an academy that we didn't see on telly because we didn't see FCW. It was all behind closed doors. So... It is, it is a third brand, kind of. So are they just going to make it a third brand that is main roster style? Because if so, I don't really understand that. Because if main roster wrestling is what you like to watch, you have got five hours of it a week. You've got your five hours. If you're probably more like me, and probably you a bit more so me, where it's your more hardcore wrestling you enjoy, then NXT is what you watch in WWE. And if you're not going to give me that, I'm going to go and watch AEW. Because I'm not being funny, that, that appeals to me more than your SmackDown and Raw do. SmackDown main event appeals to me. Nothing really does it for me on Raw at the moment, massively. NXT, I 
I don't miss. I don't miss NXT. I will watch it every week. But if that's going to be more like Raw and SmackDown, well, I'll, I'll read about it on WWE.com and see if there's anything worth going back and watching. What I don't understand is this mentality that WWE needs to change developmental, therefore NXT has to change. You have an hour of main event sitting there. Now, this is a wrestling podcast. There are wrestling fans around the world who listen. If you have ever said, right, I've got to watch WWE main event, email or tweet us now because I have yet to find that person. Why not use that? as your new developmental show. Why not use that hour to train up these stars and give them the seasoning if you need to do it? It doesn't have to be NXT. And I was having an interesting conversation with someone earlier this week who was saying that had three years ago, WWE taken the NXT quote-unquote style and feuds and storyline and adapted Raw and SmackDown to be more like that, would we even have AEW? Because AEW is an alternative had Raw and SmackDown embraced that style, do you think we'd even be looking at an AEW with Punk and potentially Danielson and Andrade and, and Pac? I don't think we would. I think we still have AEW because Vince McMahon would still be there and he's he's made too many enemies for them to all want to work, etc. I don't think we'd be seeing AEW with the star power it has. I don't think you'd be seeing, like say, imagine those names, Andrade, Miro, Pac. They all would have thrived in that style of WWE because they all thrived in NXT. Like, you look at the people, just, oh, just imagine that roster. Imagine they'd embrace that. Imagine the roster they'd have, the people who haven't made that step up, or the people who are still in NXT now, who really, look at it, Gargano and Chappell. If NXT did its job, Gargano and Chappell should be on the main roster years ago, apart from that weird, mm. we don't talk about. They should have been up there, but thankfully someone's looked after them and said, no, 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 you're not going anywhere near there, because it will just ruin you. If NXT did its job, they were the two biggest stars of NXT in the last two, three years. Their feud is my favourite feud ever. I don't get me started on that because I'll talk for an hour. They should have stepped up, but they didn't because they know they don't know how to use them. So it's just, it's such a strange thing, isn't it? It almost seems like thriving in NXT will do you no favours going up to the main roster. So why, why would you? Let me just jump in here and say word of mouth is the best way to keep this podcast growing. So if you could share some love for us on social media, that would be amazing. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, it all helps us rise up through the charts. And if you're a wrestling fan, don't be shy about it. Tell another fan about what we're doing on this podcast and get them to get involved. And now back to the show. AEW continues to grow and grow, CM Punk pulling in some of their best ratings since their debut for Dynamite in October 2019, and they head to the Now Arena in Illinois for All Out, and listen to this card. Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship, Pac versus Andrade El Idolo, Paul White makes his return to the ring against QT Marshall, the Young Bucks against the Lucha Bros, inside a steel cage for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, Dr. Britt Baker puts her Women's World Championship on the line against Chris Statlander, John Moxley takes on New Japan legend Satoshi Kojima, Miro and Eddie Kingston lock horns for the AW TNT Championship. Chris Jericho's career on the line against MJF in their last chapter. 21 women will compete in the Casino Battle Royale for a future Women's World title shot. But nothing is bigger than CM Punk's return to the ring to take on Darby Allen. What a card that is. I'm knackered. Listen to it. It's too long, isn't it? It's is too it, long. Is it too, have they done a WWE and a WrestleMania and got a bit excited? This is exactly what I've written down. What a card, exclamation mark. But too long, question mark, because that is a whopper. 
Yeah, I just feel like you can't afford the matches that need the time that they deserve. You can't give them it there. Like, you can't have four or five, six matches go 20 minutes. There's easy matches that could go that long there. I'm looking at the negatives. That's a very exciting card. Very excited. Also, if we listen to anyone who knows anything, Daniel, well, Brian Danielson's turning up, isn't he? Anyone who knows anything, yeah, will tell you that. So it's exciting because how good was Punk's um, when they started chanting yes at Punk in his promo? I was watching that thing. Is he going to say anything here? And he just went, that's someone else's shtick and you have to wait around a little longer for that one. I was like, well, you can't be saying that if he's not coming. You can't be saying he'll be here soon if he's not coming. I really, really hope he turns up at All Out. I mean, a bit like we were talking about with bringing Brock back at SummerSlam, you don't bring Danielson back to All Out unless you've got something big lined up for the show at the Arthur Ashe Arena, the Grand Slam show coming up in Queens. I mean, but let's not blow past what we're talking about here. When we started this podcast, which was uh, sort of the tail end of WrestleMania season, if we'd sat here and said, oh, AEW by the end of the summer is going to have CM Punk feuding with Darby Allen, Pac's going to be up against Andrade El Idolo, Paul White's going to be there as well. And by the way, Brian Danielson, we know him as Daniel Bryan now, he's just main event in Mania, but he's going to AEW as well. You would have slapped me around the face because you'd have thought I was hallucinating. It is remarkable what they've done. It's bonkers. And there must be... Tony Khan obviously is an incredible businessman, but the stars for line for him to be able to do these deals, he must be pinching himself at the opportunities he's got here. And especially when we'll talk about it shortly, I'm sure other people who you imagine will be coming across his desk in the not-too-distant future. But my first question is, take Punk's return out of it, because that'll be everyone's answer. Which match are you most looking forward to in that card? Oh, I mean, I'm really looking forward to all of it. Yes, like, that's not an answer. No, no, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll answer this slightly differently. The match I'm not massively hyped about is actually Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship. That's yeah, that's, it, that's mad, isn't it? If you were to say to me, what am I looking forward to most? CM Punk against Darby Allen. Yep, that's going to be great. Chris Jericho and MJF, just because they'll have a dramatic match. Miro and Eddie Kingston. I'm loving Miro at the moment, so I'm putting that up there. Young Bucks against Lucha Bros inside a cage. I think the Young Bucks are extraordinary heels at the moment. And only then am I looking forward to Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage, which, given AEW puts such a spotlight on their world title, I think is is a little unusual. Am, Am I wrong in thinking that, or are you the same? No, it's definitely not near the top of the list for me, but then Kenny Omega matches always deliver, so I've got no doubt it will. I'll enjoy it and I'll watch it. I'm really looking forward to Pac versus Andrade. I think that's going to be excellent. They're two really, really great wrestlers. Miro and Eddie Kingston are just going to batter each other, aren't they, if we're being honest? Do you know what? Uh, just jumping in there, <laughs> what I would have done is, since you've mentioned those two, if I was looking to slim that card down... Pack versus Andrade El Idolo, I would have taken off the pay-per-view, and Miro against Eddie Kingston, I'd have taken off the pay-per-view, and I would have made the main events for back-to-back Dynamites and promoted them as big, big main events. Because I don't know what you felt about this week's Dynamite. It didn't hit the mark for me. It started really strong, and by the end, it was feeling like AEW Dark. I'm not sure Tony Khan did it in the way I would have done. Yeah, he may be. I think you're right. They could have brought one of those matches or any of the matches off the card, really, that aren't the title matches and made them the main event of Dynamite because they do a good job of making Dynamite feel, the main event of Dynamite feel like a big deal, don't they? So it, I think probably it just fell a bit flat because of that. Is Jericho going to lose? No, I don't think so. I don't think you want to take 
Chris Jericho out of the equation as a wrestler. And I think MJF can handle a loss at this point. I don't know why he would, though. I felt like the last chapter that they had of the five labours, I felt was the perfect ending to this feud. I, I When I saw they were going again, I was like, and then he's put his career on the line. I was like, I don't really get it. I don't, I just feel like Jericho's just taking an L on this feud. Just take the loss and move on. I feel, I feel like, because now he's going to have to, he's either retires in a real quite unceremonial fashion or MJF loses a feud overall now. I don't, I don't think it does anyone a favour, if I'm honest, really. Do you not think MJF can get his heat back straight away? Um, he, okay, let's, let's, we did a bit of fantasy booking earlier this week when we were texting each other. He, here's what I would do to make MJF be able to take the loss and, and move things on. I would have Jericho beat MJF in a bloody feud where maybe Wardlow costs MJF the match. Maybe there's some miscommunications there, so you tease there. And then straight after the match, you have CM Punk do his first promo backstage, and he says something like, thanks, Chris Jericho, for showing that us young guys can still go, or us older guys can still go over the young guys. And then you use that line for MJF to lay out CM Punk at the end of the night, and you move Punk straight on into a feud that is even bigger than Jericho. So sure, Jericho gets the win, we get a feel-good moment, we tease some dissension with Wardlow, but then MJF is straight on to the next big thing. Because I don't see CM Punk and Darby Allen having a long, protracted feud. I think this is a one-and-done to get Punk back. MJF needs someone bigger to go to than Jericho, and that really is either the title or Punk. And Punk and MJF, the promos alone, Charlie, have me salivating. I completely get it. I just, I think you could easily have moved MJF onto the Punk feud without Jericho in it. I just think, I don't, I don't think this match needs to happen. To be honest, again, to talk about something down the card, I think this one ran its course. Like, I'm sure it'll be a great match and they will prove me wrong. And MJF has no issue getting his heat back. I just felt this was this was the one for um yeah I didn't feel there was a need for this match this weekend but that's yeah and I, I no I think that's fair and I'm never a fan of someone the week or a couple of weeks before a pay per view get oh and by the way I'll throw my career up for grabs yeah. as well it, and if you're Chris Jericho you want to be actually making a big deal of that and potentially losing your career I just think he's too valuable to to lose as an in-ring performer and look being the smart fans we are the Jericho Cruise is coming up fairly shortly he's not going to not wrestle on that I wouldn't think but who knows Chris Jericho lives to surprise um AW cooking on all all um canisters it's it's going to be great do you want to talk about the next big debut for them potentially and this is pure rumor and speculation but Adam Cole allegedly a free agent yeah so PW Insider are reporting that Adam Cole has decided to leave WWE and WWE have sent an internal memo to their staff just saying that. Now, we don't know if that's confirmed. Again, I haven't hit on my boy, Sean Ross Sapp, yet, and by that, I mean Riddy's Twitter. Um, one day, I'm going to speak to Sean. I'll be like, I've been making out on my podcast that we are firm friends. Um, <laughs> but no, I think everyone seems to think this is what's happening, and Peter Greenside of the first one's really reporting that it's definitely going on. I think we'll know more in the next few days. But if you, I've said this before, if you were Adam Cole, why would you stay? Well, I think you've, you've reached a point of what you're going to do in WWE right now. You watch any one of your size, your build, your sort of wrestling style and what happens to them on the main roster. I think you've reached the pinnacle in WWE. You leave now and your reputation is not tainted. You've had an unbelievable three or four year run in the biggest company in the world. Like, you've climbed the mountain. Go and, go and do something else. Go and be with Brit in AW and have a great time. So I imagine that conversation will be happening very soon. I also read, I don't think he's got a non-compete clause because he signed that short-term contract. 
So I don't think he's, from what people say, he don't, they don't seem to think, they don't know for sure, they don't think he's got the 90 days because he signed that little um, extension. So he could rock up at any time. Yeah, it, it's all rumour and speculation, but how exciting that we've got rumour and speculation back again. There, there are many wrestling fans, and I really was at the very, very early part of my fandom when WCW folded. I, I really, it wasn't the Monday Night Wars. How exciting is it to be saying he could be going to AEW, she could be going to AEW, and I'm sure down the line we'll be talking about whether people will go back to WWE, and hey, Jericho's with AEW, but he's on the Stone Cold podcast. I mean, it, it is such an exciting time to, to be talking wrestling. Massively, massively. Like I say, I I was not a fan of the Monday Night Wars. I was born in '95, so that was a bit early, for, um, a bit early for me. You debuted at the same time as Nitro. Pretty much, it was I, you I, and Nitro. I, and yeah, we we debuted together. Uh, I'm one of us is still here, um, <laughs> and um, this is the first time I've lived in this era of oh, are they going to another company? Because you never, you, we've never had that. We've never had that. We've never had wrestlers having a genuine other option to choose to go to if they want to. It's always been if WWE don't want them. So it started with Moxie, didn't it, a few years ago. And now wrestlers are, they are making the choice to leave WWE if they want to. And you know what? Good on them. All for it. Now let's get into some fantasy booking. Because Charlie, you set this one. And I do not mind saying this has been the best fantasy booking challenge we have ever done. It was building your dream WrestleMania card, but not as simple as that. You had to have an opener that was an actual opener. You had to have a main event that was an actual main event. You could pick what you want in between there, but you could only feature one act once. So you couldn't have Steve Austin against The Rock and Steve Austin versus Bret Hart. No, no, no. It was like Sudoku. If you plugged one thing in in one place, the other didn't fit. And it's been extraordinary. In fact, it's been so good. We're going to do these over two weeks. We're going to string it out. Um, well done, you, because people love this. Oh, thank you. It's, it's a fun one, isn't it? Um, I just wanted... I think the few times we've been to, I'm like, oh, how would the... F-? I've, been, I've been getting a bit enthralled on, oh, booking a few and stuff. So I just small them to go, these are the matches I really like. Let's put my card together. So do you want to do yours first or should we go through some of the listener ones we've had? What would you like to do? I'm going to do mine first because what happens normally is our listeners do better ones than me and mine always um, falls flat after. So I'm going to do mine first. So until... Okay. until so at least for five minutes, I'll have the best one that's been done. So that's right. what I'm going to do. Start us off hot then. What have we got in Charlie's Fantasy WrestleMania? So, first of all, we my fantasy WrestleMania is happening in Orlando on the set of WrestleMania 33 because I think it's the best WrestleMania set they've ever done with the huge roller coaster. I think that was amazing. And that long, long ramp, that long ramp. That, I, I thought it didn't take, I was going to walk all the way down that ramp and I thought we'd be up till 7am over here, but thankfully he popped up in the middle, didn't he? <laughs> Unsurprisingly, JR and Heyman from 17 are on comms because of course they are. Of course they are. I've no doubt everyone should have them as their dream commentary duo. So I think a tried and tested, you cannot miss opener for WrestleMania. WrestleMania is a ladder match. I think you cannot miss, but I'm not having one. Um, and you'll understand why in a sec. So I just want to give a shout out to the ladder matches for the IC titles from 31 and 32. Are both brilliant openers. And they opened at 25 with the money in the bank. All brilliant openers. But I don't think you should have two ladder matches on a card. And I've got another ladder match later. Okay. So... My opener is the opener to WrestleMania 35. It's Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins for the Universal title. Because I want to start with a bang. I remember watching that live and I could not believe they were starting that match. Like It genuinely made me sit up and go, oh, expletive, we're starting with this. And I just love the whole story of Brock being like, well, if I'm not going on last, I'm going out first, I'm not hanging around for anything. 
And it was a really exciting, it was only, I think it's like an eight, nine, ten minute match. It's exciting. And it gets the crowd going. And my cards are sprint. We're, we're, we're getting up and we're staying up. We're staying excited the whole way through. No toilet matches here. There's no, there's no, <laughs> you're not getting a break. You're going to be knackered by any of these eight matches. So we start with Lesnar versus Rollins from 35. We then go for match two. We take it right back to WrestleMania 13. Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Bret Hart in a submission match. The greatest double turn in the history of wrestling. Done to perfection. And it's, I don't watch, I'll be honest, I don't watch too much wrestling from that year, from before 2000, really, if I'm honest. I just don't watch that much. I find it sometimes quite slow and not the most exciting to watch. That match on any card now in any company, and it would steal the show. It's just brilliant. And that visual of Stone Cold, bloody, refusing to tap out, it was the start of the Stone Cold character, really. That was where it all began. Uh, that was a hard decision to make because that's the, that's the mania match I've gone for for Stone Cold, which is a big call because obviously that rules out all of his trilogy with The Rock. So, but that's where I've gone. So that is match number two. Now, I had to be careful I didn't go a bit gimmick heavy because I think too many gimmick matches can ruin it. But there, are, there is one that had to be on there. I think it'll be on yours as well. But we're going to what I describe as beautiful carnage and McMahon family drama at its absolute best for match three. We're taking the street fight from Shane versus Vince from WrestleMania 17 because you've got to, haven't you? There's, it's just... There's no better moment than when Linda McMahon stands up yeah. and just walks towards Vince. Yeah, That is WWE, quote-unquote, sports entertainment at its absolute finest. And as much as I love your five-star classics, as much as I love Walter versus Dragunov, I do love a bit of WWE nonsense, and it's just the best. And also, Vince and Shane take some punishment in that. They fair play to them. They get their licks in. So that's match three. Match four is, for my money, the best women's match at WrestleMania ever. It saved this show from being pretty terrible. It's from WrestleMania 32. Charlotte versus Becky versus Sasha in a triple threat for the first ever women's title since it went divas, then back to women's. That, it, I remember watching that one live, and that was quite comfortably the best match on the card. And I thought, oh, we've had that triple threat. It won't be long until we get the four horsewomen built four way. And the fact that we are now five years later and still haven't had the four horsewomen fatal four way, I do not understand what they're playing at. Like, that match is money whenever you give it to us. So just anytime soon. Match five is why I couldn't open with a ladder match. Of having TLC2. Of course I am. Now I'm going to run through who that is in case anyone listening doesn't know. If you're listening to this podcast, you don't know what TLC2 is. I'm confused. It's Eddie Christian versus the Hardy Boys versus the Dudleys for the Tag Team Championship from WrestleMania 17. And it's just, it's my favourite TLC match ever. And that was why I couldn't have a ladder match to open because nothing, nothing lives up to it. Nothing they've done since, nothing they will do, I don't think, really lives up to that. That was, it's just amazing. It's just nor should amazing. it, by the way, nor should anyone ever no. take those risks again. Because, no. I mean, if you say TLC2, you see the flashbulbs as Jeff Hardy's body plateaus down with mm. Edge spearing him. And I don't ever want to see anyone do that again. No, but I will watch them do it over and over again. From the oh, sure, they've done it now. I see the sprint now. The last three, the crowd are really going to have to get excited for. There is no rest. Um, so I haven't picked my favourite match ever. My favourite match ever is the Hell in a Cell from 28, end of an era. But it just didn't fit on this card because it's too gimmick heavy. And I think I would, 
I was thinking, would I want to see a Hell in a Cell match on this card? I thought, no, I could do some actual wrestling. So match six, I'm just taking the best WrestleMania match ever, which is Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels from 25. I, I couldn't, I was sitting here, I've scrolled out a lot of this bit. I couldn't, I couldn't not pick it. It's, it's not my favourite, but it is the best. It, I think, I don't, I, I don't, people will disagree, but for me, there isn't a better match. And I know it ruined 25 because nothing could follow it, but I've got two matches that I reckon can. Match seven, the semi-main, is from WrestleMania 18, Hollywood Hogan versus The Rock, because that crowd just, it's just unbelievable. Toronto became, just went unglued. It's not the best wrestling match ever, but it was never going to be. It's not meant to be. It's an event, isn't it? Those two gargantuans of the, of the industry facing off for, for the one time only. That was match seven. And then the main event for me is the only the only main event that could follow that, that the crowd are not going to be disappointed. And it has to be WrestleMania 30. Orton versus Batista versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE title. And as Vince says, send them home happy. Excellent card. I mean, how could it not be like that? How could it not be? I have two questions. You're doing it in Orlando, right? I am, yes. Is Rock versus Hogan, the same match without the Toronto crowd there. Now, it is fantasy booking. You can take that Toronto crowd, give them all the cross-country tickets and whack them in the stadium in Orlando if you want. But the crowd for Rock Hogan was as much a reason for it being legendary as the match itself. Absolutely. I just think any WrestleMania crowd, the fans who go to WrestleMania, they are... They're the hardcore wrestling fans, aren't they? They come from all over the world. I think wherever you put them, WrestleMania crowds are unbelievable. I don't think it was the fact it was Toronto. Toronto's not, it's not like it's Chicago. It's not like it's... Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. Oh, do you think? I reckon you still get it. But if not, I'll stop it halfway through and I'll say, bring the Toronto crowd in. Bring the Toronto (laughs) lads in. Start this again. Start it again. So my other question is are you sure you want that match as your opener? And I only ask it because we've also had some people get in touch with their worst WrestleMania cards with the same criteria. And someone who's been in touch has very much suggested that Seth against Brock is the worst opener there's been. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it is. I think it gets the crowd going hot and it's the shock factor of it. And if people don't like it, well, they'll like the rest of my card and they'll forget about it. I mean, I, I have to say, if you're looking at worst openers, there are worse. I mean, poor yes. Daniel Bryan against Sheamus, a half, half empty WrestleMania 28 losing in 20 seconds or whatever. Okay, I think that's, that's, that's really good and illustrates how difficult this challenge was. Um, let's do a couple more this week. As we say, more coming up next week. Remember, you can get in touch. Jack underscore Murley, Charlie underscore Beckett, earning the push podcast at hotmail.com. Andrew says, right, guys, here we go. My opener is Daniel Bryan against Triple H from WrestleMania 30. Then I'm going to Eddie Guerrero against Kurt Angle, neither of whom featured on your card, I don't think, from WrestleMania 20. And then, of course, we're having the TLC2 match, the Dudley Boys against Edge and Christian against the Hardy Boys. Then we're skipping forward to The Rock against Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 18, and then coming back to Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania 3. 
Our women's match will be Charlotte Flair versus Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch at 32. Then we've got Bret Hart against Stone Cold Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13. And our main event will be Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels, the retirement match for Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 26. For commentators, I'm going for Jim Ross and Bobby Heenan together as a commentary team. And we're doing it in New York City in Madison Square Garden, but we're going to have the WrestleMania X7 set to go with it. I think sets are important for WrestleMania. The set, the set was why I chose Orlando. To be honest, it's not the city I'd stick it in. I always think if I could get the Orlando set in the Superdome in New Orleans, I probably would have done that because I always think the New Orleans crowd are brilliant for WrestleMania 30 and 34. They were excellent. That's a good card. I was interested. So... If I hadn't gone with that main event, I probably would have gone with Triple H, Daniel Bryan as my opener as yeah. well, because that's a brilliant opener. But I wanted Daniel Bryan in the main event. I wanted I well, wanted to finish on 30. Well, you eliminate other things as well. You, you, this, this is why it's like a Rubik's Cube of wrestling. Uh, Ryan says, right, gang, here's what I'm doing. Uh, we're starting with Triple H against Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30, and then we're going to John Cena versus Bray Wyatt with their Firefly Funhouse match from WrestleMania 36, just because it's a guilty pleasure. Then it's Stone Cold Steve Austin against Bret Hart, then Sasha Banks against Charlotte Flair versus Becky. Now, you would think, given he's gone for Austin against Bret Hart, he's going to have a different rock match in mind. you think it would be Rock Hogan, but no, Ryan says, I'm going for the Rock and Sock Connection versus Evolution from WrestleMania 20 at Madison Square Garden. Now, that's an interesting choice. I think it's to get Foley on the card because Ryan's a big Mick Foley uh, fan and it also gets you Flair on the card, Orton on the card and Batista on the card as well. Then we're going to TLC2 at WrestleMania 17. Then it's Undertaker against Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 25. And we're main eventing with Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 19. I'm going to have Aretha Franklin open the show singing America the Beautiful. And we're going to have the ECW Arena host this WrestleMania. Because, oh my goodness, could you imagine WrestleMania inside the bingo hall? That's incredible. I had that that thought has never even crossed my mind. But how fun would that be? That's also get me some Aretha. I like a bit of Aretha. Would you rather have a WrestleMania in a ninety thousand seater stadium with a so-so crowd and the spectacle of having that many people there, or would you rather put it in a twenty thousand seater stadium with a red hot crowd where because it's enclosed you could hear all the noise? Probably for atmosphere, twenty thousand going berserk would be better than ninety so so. But I'd say when they get it right, they get ninety thousand going berserk, don't they? When yeah. they get it right, but how often do they get it that right? You'd rather twenty. I reckon you'd rather twenty thousand going absolutely nuts than ninety thousand being extraordinary cards. These absolutely extraordinary. Uh, the good thing is we got more of these to come next week. Uh, I'm doing some. We've got some worse suggestions. Worse suggestions is almost as fun to do as your best WrestleMania. Was- no one mentioned doing worst, and people have just skipped straight to it. Yeah, we're going to do worst. Let's have a complaining. I love it. I'm all for it, but I just think it just sums wrestling fans up completely. Before we carry on with the programme, let me ask you a favour. If you haven't already, why not subscribe, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts from? It's not for our ego. It just helps us move up the charts and more people hear our thoughts and yours on the world of professional wrestling. It grows the club that we're developing here on the podcast and we'd love for more people to hear what we do. So go on, hit that subscribe button. We'd be really, really grateful. And now back to the show. 
Now it's time to send something from everyday life back to developmental and something's going to be earning the push. These are the things we love and we loathe. We'd like to see more of or less of and we give it wrestling terminology. We've done everything on this from Taylor Swift lyrics to slippers falling apart to Andrew Lloyd Webber musicals to the joys of wasps. Uh, I've got two. Charlie's got two. First or second for you, Mr. Beckett? You can go first this week. Okay. I'm going to give the push to the arrival of autumn. Summer is almost gone and autumn is almost here. And I am an autumn person. I like being able to wear jumpers again. I like the nights drawing in. I like that it's still warm, but not too hot. I like warm soup and crusty bread rolls and firework displays and crunchy leaves underfoot. I like that Cornwall's a little bit quieter. So I'm earning the push with the arrival of autumn. And sending back to developmental, bank holidays. I don't like bank holidays. I always have to work bank holidays. I always forget when they are. The shops are shut. I can't get anything I need on bank holidays. They muck up the calendar. No one really knows where they are. I'm sending bank holidays back to developmental. I don't think there's a need for them anymore. Get rid of them. We can all work five days in the week. We're all work shy. We need that extra day for productivity. Keep the economy going. I'm getting rid of bank holidays. All of them. Oh, you won't be popular, Mr. Murley. I don't care. Um, I'm turning heel. Um, when I first joined Leicester Tigers Academy at 16, I asked our head coach, said, oh, do, we, um, do we get bank holidays off? And he turned to me, just looked at me and went, well, we're not an effing bank, are we? <laughs> I was like, right, okay, no bank holidays off then. Here's what I think we need. We need a money in the bank holiday match. Mm. And you can just have, at your work, only one of you can have the bank holiday off providing you climb the ladder, get the title, money in the bank holiday. That's what we need. Everyone else has to keep working. And don't pretend you wouldn't love to be involved in that. Money, yeah, of course I would. Money in the bank holiday. <laughs> what have you got then? Earning the push for me is BBC One's new drama vigil. It's really, 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 really good. I texted you about it last night. I, I thought it was coming out every Sunday, and it is, apart from we got a bonus episode last night. They almost missed. I found out five to nine that it was on. Um, I say this is an issue. iPlayer sorts you out now, doesn't it? If you miss it, oh no, I'm two minutes late, I'll start it again. Really good. I was about to be a big spoiler on it there, but I'm not going to say it. Um, anyone who hasn't watched, but yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It's properly gritty. Someone's been merged on a submarine. It's really exciting. Also, Ooh. being on a submarine would be my worst nightmare. I do not like enclosed spaces and I do not like water. They wouldn't so, let you on, surely. You're, I'm not saying this facetiously. You're surely too big for a submarine. Well, I, think, I think so, yeah. But you, you wouldn't get me on, so it's okay. No one would be arguing. We'd, we'd, they'd go, you're not allowed. I'd say, thank you. But my back developmental, you know what's coming because I was texting you about it. Yep. It's Formula One. What are you playing at, lads, with the Spa Grand Prix this weekend just gone? So, first of all, I'm barely newish to being a I've always watched one in the background, but F1 Drive to Survive has got me. It's just brilliant. Like, what a documentary... And it's got me into F1. I really enjoy it. One of my best mates was the same. And we were, I went to his sort of Spa Grand Prix this weekend. <laughs> that went well. What I got was four hours of sat round where they did three laps behind a safety car. And apparently that constitutes a race. Now, what I don't understand now, it's not their fault it was raining in Belgium. It's going to rain in Belgium. If you're running races in the European countries, you're going to have rain. What I don't understand is how this multi-billion pound industry didn't know the rules for what happens when it rains. They were all just asking each other what was happening. How can you not know the rules for rain when it's an outdoor sport through all, all, all the year, all the world round? Of course it's going to rain. Like, it just baffled me. 
And then they did three laps and they went, oh, that's the result. And no one was allowed to overtake each other because they were behind the safety car. Like, and it's just, you've got so many new fans and you will have lost them at the weekend because they don't know what's going on because you don't know what's going on. So get a grip of yourself, F1. I think there's a certain irony here that you are a massive cricket fan and you're quite I know happy. what happens. I know what happens when it rains. They go off and they stop and they wait for it to stop raining. I know what happens. You know what? The cricketers know what happens. You know what? The ECB and the IC, everyone knows what happens when it rains. No one was ringing up the boss going, it's raining, what do we do? <laughs> Come on. Like, <laughs> could you hear, like, because one of my favorite things in F1 is you can hear all the communications on the radio and everyone can hear it. It's amazing. They can all hear what each other's saying. So when they start talking in code, it's hilarious. It's like they're going out on the, they're going out on the uh, track. And the, the drivers are going, it's very wet. And you're like, well, that clearly means something else because that's the most obvious thing in the world, that it's very wet. Know what happens. They were all on the radio going to the race organisers. Uh, what do we do now? Is this constituted race? And then, oh, they're all like, has the race started? No one knew if the race had begun. How can you not know? We're like, did that lap constitute the start of the race? And they're like, well, the race start procedure has started, but we don't have the race start. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think what we need to do is in that situation, and I said this on social media, the only thing stopping that happening was the cars. Now, everyone says, and I actually do agree with this, Formula One drivers are elite athletes. If you see what they put their bodies through, the forces, the um, physicality of actually maneuvering a race car around a track for however many laps. But it occurs to me if they are athletes, they'd have no bother running that lap. What we needed, staggered start, fastest time wins make it like a time trial have them run round everyone ooh, gets would, a bit of ooh, entertainment i wouldn't i wouldn't have done like that i would have put them on their starting places in the grid they've qualified and they just run from there no, okay so so also like contacts allowed con like i would have gone the same rules as they have in the driving so a little bit of shoulder shoulders allowed i would have had that i would have well, been they, fun what they needed to do was then have them come in do two laps but have them come in to change their shoes midway through say right yes. you need to go into your slick shoes now lando or, yeah. or george russell um fair play to george russell though. i know we're not an f1 uh, podcast but we're into this now i mean he's got his first podium in formula one coming in second amazing how would you i'm buzzing for him and he's brilliant and he's going to be a world champion but how does he not have a bit of a rice smile going i didn't even race and i've got my podium today and i think it's brilliant I, that's a laugh isn't it and yeah, it's just the whole thing. The whole, do you feel better now? Do you feel better you've got off your chest? I think the most disappointing thing was, I think we were all really, I think it was going to be a brilliant race. And especially if it had been a bit wet, it brings a bit more drama. And also, I just want to go on record that I don't think not racing was the wrong thing to do because you couldn't see a thing out there. Yeah. I just can't believe they didn't go early doors. We can't race today. We'll come back tomorrow. Well, if it was in Britain, we'd have had Cliff Richard do a nice little concert from the stands. We'd have put exactly. on the Borg McEnroe time break. If we know how to do one thing in Britain, it's the rules for when it rains. Anyway, none of this is relevant to professional wrestling, but that's what this part of the pod is all about. Uh, Charlie, before we wrap up, are we going to be raving about a five-star classic from CM Punk and Darby Allen when we come back next time? Is that too much to ask for CM Punk in his in-ring return at All Out? It's not going to be a five-star, but we're definitely going to go, oh, he can still wrestle, can't he? Uh, he'll be good. It won't be a five-star. Well, on that note, we'll wrap this one up. As always, uh, we're a podcast that relies on your support. We thank you for it. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your pods from. Tell a mate about us. Get involved in part two of our WrestleMania fantasy booking next week. You know the rules. On behalf of myself, Charlie Beckett, and the Earning the Push team, we will see you next week when we'll do it all again. Until then, bye-bye. <laughs>